Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And good evening, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of We Got Next. I'm Rick Hampton, along with my great friend, the big fella, Coach Paul Mokeski, Big Mo. No, how you doing tonight, man? Doing great. Just uh, waiting for some more basketball finally coming up with Team USA, so that's going to be exciting. And and uh, one of my favorite times of the year, uh, Little League World Series action. Drives my drives my wife Linda crazy, but I like watching those kids play. <laughs> hey, 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 Mo, this, this is a, a special evening. Uh, we're going to be joined by Hall of Famer Rick Barry uh, shortly to discuss his a remarkable year, uh, a former teammate of yours. But but when you mentioned baseball and uh, Little League baseball, ha- have you ever seen anything like this happen in a Little League game? Oh, that's the wrong clip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen that home run. That's before. the wrong clip. You're talking. You're talking about the boxing match, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna find him before the night's over. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tim Anderson and uh, and uh, Ramirez for um, uh, Cleveland kind of got into it, and uh, he didn't like the way Ramirez didn't like the way he tagged him coming in the second base. Yeah, I think like we talked, I think there's more to it than that. There's usually there's usually some history back there, some bad blood. And- no, no matter what sports, no matter what fight, there usually is. And, you know, it kind of bubbles up to the right point. And, uh, you know, uh, two guys kind of went at it and then everybody else. Uh, you know, that's one thing about uh, baseball that's different than every other sport, right? I mean, baseball, everybody comes out of the dugout, everybody comes out of the, the bullpen, and, and it could be a brawl in basketball, in football, in hockey. You can't do that. You can't come off the bench and get involved in the fight. But for some reason in baseball, Everybody, the more the merrier. Everybody, come on in. <laughs> but usually, by the time the guys from the bullpen get there, it's over. But you know, it's the only. If you think about it, right? It's the only sport that you know you can you can empty the bench. Okay, that's okay. Yeah, everybody it's comes out. <laughs> you know, in, the, in basketball, if you step on the on the court, uh, you know, you get ejected or fined or whatever. In hockey, if you come across the board, you can't do that. And, uh, you know, in football, you know, if you come off the bench, it's the same. You can't do that. But in baseball, you know, the more the merrier. Let's have a – instead of a fight, let's have a brawl. <laughs> but, but Mo, and, and, and we laugh and joke about it because most of the time when those things do occur, they're harmless. But as a player and a coach, uh, I guess you have two different perspectives. When you were a player, um, you go, number one, always defend yourself. And and look out for your teammate, but as a coach, you you don't you're just trying to de-escalate at, at all costs. Well, in in basketball or football, right? You're trying to, especially in basketball, you're trying to keep the the bench from leaving you, and you have a designated coach. That's their job. Once something happens on the court, they turn around and keep everybody corralled on the bench because without, what you don't want to get is you know players kicked out of games or suspended. Uh, you know, for coming off the bench. So there's a coach that does that. And hell, in football, they call it the get-back coach. 
you know, <laughs> yeah, you know that's what they call it. So, you know, that's part of his job. So, you know, I, I, it's just, uh, number one, uh, the only people that can really fight in professional sports are, are boxers and hockey players, not basketball, <laughs> not baseball, not football, you know, and, and come on, let's face it. So, uh, you know, but uh, I just just find it amazing that in baseball is the only sport that, you know, you come off the bench. You know, it's almost encouraged. If, just think if any of those players stayed in the in the bullpen or in the in the dugout, they probably would have been suspended by their own team if they did that, right? <laughs> hey, uh, I, I just got a note from uh, Rick, and Rick is going to be joining us uh, any minute now. Uh, cool. We're talking about uh, uh, basketball Hall of Famer, NBA legend Rick Barry, a former teammate of yours, Mo, when you came in the league. And, and I don't want to give some of our conversation away, but man, when you came in the league as a rookie uh, out of yeah. Kansas, you got quite the introduction and quite the lesson uh, going to Houston for your first year. Well, I mean, you're looking at, you know, Rick Barry, Rudy Tomjanovich, Calvin Murphy, Moses Malone, Robert Reed. I, I mean, you know, I, I'm a lowly rookie second round pick coming into that training camp. Uh, you don't think I was intimidated a little bit? <laughs> you know, but, you know, I, I learned those guys, you know, play your role, do what you're supposed to do, and, you know, uh, do it, you know, as aggressively, as hard as you can, and, and whatever happens, happens. But, yeah, I mean, don't think that I didn't look at that roster before I came into that training camp. Uh, you know, Mike Newland, Mike Dunleavy, uh, you, you know, just uh, Major Jones, you know, guys that, you know, everybody knew, I knew. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get one of the last two spots on that roster, one of the last one or two spots on that roster. That was my goal. And, you yeah. know, quite frankly, I was only active for probably about 20 games, maybe. Uh, I was on injury reserve or inactive list, most of them, uh, just learning, but learning by practice. I mean, yeah. you know, learning from those guys in practice was huge for me, uh, you know, yeah. but, you know, I, I still think to this day, I learned more uh, practicing against Moses Malone than I did playing 12 years in the NBA. I mean, it was just a, you know, just a learning experience. And, and, and Mo, let, welcome this young man in. It is an absolute <laughs> honor to have one of the greatest players in the history of basketball uh, on our show for a return visit, uh, the great Rick Barry. Hey, Rick, I, apologize. Doing, I, apologize. I apologize for being late, but I heard you use the word the young man, but obviously you got the wrong word there. It's probably the old man. <laughs> but uh, what's happening, Big Mo? How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, man. I saw you on TV uh, coaching the big three this weekend. Uh, yeah, but good, my, team, my team, my team, my team, that's the worst game we played all season long. We couldn't put it the ball in the ocean. Now we were two for 17 reason. You're not going to win any games doing that. But uh, I got a great group of guys and, it's been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really happy to be a part of the big three. I'm appreciative uh, for Cube to have given me the opportunity. And, uh, you know, it's fun to still be around the game that I love so much. I mean, it's been such an integral part of my life ever since I was five years old when I started playing. So it's been a long, long journey, and it's been a great one and had a lot, lot of fond memories. I'm just tired of freaking losing coaching on this big three thing, and we were close to making the playoffs. Now we got to hope to win on Saturday in uh, Detroit, and if we win, we got to hope a couple of teams lose and 
We had a really bad game where we didn't get very much help. I don't blame officials for games, but 17 fouls against us and three against the opposition, and we still were up nine to a game of 50. We were up 49-47. It was miraculous that we were even in it, but uh, that game's going to kill us that we wound up losing. So, anyway, enough of that. Let's talk about what you want to talk about. Well, I, I still like uh, uh, Steve. Steve Mix is a good friend of mine. and uh, he's, he's coaching with Dr. J on that team, and they – they start out two and zero, and now they've got lost four in a row, and you know they're searching for. And you know they have Jason Richardson, who I think could probably still play in the NBA today. Uh, yeah, know, Jason's but, still in great shape. I just saw them. You know, obviously I see them every weekend almost, and uh, but they're not going to make the playoffs, so they're trying to be a spoiler or something. And uh, anyway, it is what it is. Uh, but it's it's fun to be around the game, and it's nice to see they had some really big crowds the last couple weekends, and. And Jeff Mullins was there with me, my teammate from the Warriors, because uh, he lives in Charlotte. And he just said, man, that's a rough game. I said, I know. They beat the hell out of one. <laughs> they do, they do man. <laughs> hey, the only, I'll tell you what. The only thing worse than that is I watched my son, Ken. He plays for the USA uh, that national team. He's played on a bunch of 3X3 things. 3X3 is worse than the freaking big three. It's I mean, really? they, kill, they don't even call stuff. They kill each other out there. It's that's unbelievable. And th- and three on three is a great game. You can't hide. You know, no, no, you you can't you can't hide. And I, I, if you really know how to play, you can be really good because you, you. I mean, I watch it. I get a little frustrated watching it because I, I know I know the game. Okay, and if if I played in three x three, I would kill people because I would make them look so bad. I'd be back cutting them to death because all you got to do is get a guy to do just a little tiny lead and, and, and lean, and you got to back cut. I mean, because there's nobody there to freaking help. And we, we do that really – our team has done that really well. But last game, we hardly did that at all. We really didn't play our style of basketball. And we just had a bad shooting game. But you know how that goes. Shit, that, that happens to everybody. I think, I think players get fr- – you know, once the players now get frustrated, they start going one-on-one instead of pl- staying with some kind of backdoor action, handoff action. And then they just want to go one-on-one, and that tears everything down. Well, well, it, it's it, but it doesn't if you're Joe Johnson who kills people going yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw Joe. I saw Joe. I saw Joe. Joe. Was pretty, he was pretty tough on us. We tried a whole lot of things to do. I had the most success when I put my young guy, Jalen Johnson, who I really like as a player. I can't believe some NBA team hasn't given him a shot, but he can pass the ball. He, he actually blocked one of Joe's shots. He made him work hard. He's a nice, uh, nice player, nice young man. And uh, I hope his calf is okay for the game coming up this weekend. He got a I don't know if he strained it or just got really tight on him, but I sent them. I'm with a company called Ghost Sleeves, ghostsleeves.com. If you go to that, folks, and you put RB24 and you get a great code, they make sleeves with kinesio tape built into it. I never play pickleball without wearing my knee sleeves, and they've got sleeves for the calf and the Achilles and pretty great product. So ghostsleeves.com, put RB24 in the code, and you get a nice discount. And we will be sure, Rick, to put that on our website for our, um, our viewers out there. And, and, and before we go any further uh, to our uh, nationwide audience, I, I, I want to kind of introduce uh, uh, Rick to you guys. Hold on just a second, gentlemen. The experts had been right. It was a four-game sweep, all right, but not by the team they had predicted. No surprise, Sport Magazine is just named Rick Barry the most valuable player in the series. Rick Barry, the all-round player. Perhaps that doesn't quite say it all. Let's use a much overworked term. Use it because it truly applies here. Rick Barry, superstar, 
Rick Barry probably, is, when people talk about the super players in the NBA, he's overlooked some. He's a guy that uh, led the country in scoring in college at the University of Miami. In the ABA was MVP and the leading scorer. He led the scoring in the NBA. I mean, it's quite an establishment right there. And he uh, was a great, great player as far as offensively. And one thing about unique about him, another thing was that he shot foul shots from people that have never seen anybody shoot underhanded foul shots. That's how he shot foul shots his whole career. And was a, I think he might have led the league one at least one year in foul shooting. Barry was second in scoring in the whole of the NBA. I just remember a game, I was, it was late in my career, I was playing against Rick in, in Houston, and I, I held him to 19 in the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> and I come to the bench and Tex switches me off and puts Rudy on you, and Rudy slowed you down, you only got 53 left. <laughs> I got you off, as we used to say. <laughs> Rick, we could we could really we could go on and on talking about your uh, exploits on the floor. You, you are certainly one of the most underrated players in the history of the game, but also one of the most respected uh, players in the history of the game. Well, thank you. I, it, it's very nice. I, I got to get Kevin to understand because I brag about my free throw shooting because I, I let it a hell of a lot more than one time. And Mo, 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 you know, with, 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 with Moses and stuff, there, Calvin, Calvin used to hate it when I was on the floor with him because I always had a higher free throw percentage than Calvin. I said, Calvin, you do understand that as long as I'm in the lead, you're never going to lead it in free throw shooting. I said, and, and I got to shoot, the, I got to shoot the technical fouls and, and to, to Calvin's credit, because I, I love Calvin. He's such a great shooter and, and a great guy. And he, the next year after I shot 94, seven, okay. 94, I missed nine free throws. The entire season, one year, nine and ten another. But the next year, Calvin beat my record. He, he was he was awesome. I love that. Yeah. yeah, I think you I think you led the league seven or eight, six or yeah, seven. Yeah, a bunch of a bunch of times. I mean, yeah. my but the thing is there, it's the only part of the game you can be selfish and help your team. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I remember watching because I, I I think there was one of the top five or not higher uh, ever free throw shooting percentage teams ever in the NBA. Was that year I was a rookie, and you and Murph and Newland and those guys? I mean, oh yeah, yeah. No, we were was... great. That you know, Calvin was up at ninety. Newland was an eighty-eight percent free throw shooter. Mike Dunleavy was a terrific free throw shooter. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Moses wasn't horrible, but I mean, mm -hmm. but we had and Rudy. Rudy was a good free throw shooter as well. Yeah. You know, so we yeah. had yeah, we had a great free throw shooting team, and, and and that's why it's it's a big part of the game. And you know, if a team. If you look at some of the teams, that's why the Warriors are so good. They're always a really good free throw shooting team when they won a lot of championships because Steph is great up at 90 and Clay and the other guys that they had. But you, if you look at it, the difference between shooting 75% shooting 82% on an 80-game schedule, that's a lot of victories because a lot of games are decided by one, two, and three points. And that's the difference at the free throw line. For sure. And, and hey, hey, Rick, when I... Go ahead, Mom. Go ahead, Mom. Especially... In college and, and NBA, any any game, but especially at the end of the game, if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna come back or you're gonna ice the game, you gotta make your free throws. It's mind-boggling to me that teams don't spend more time on it, uh, especially at the college level. I see horrible free throw shooting. 
And it's, uh, I don't understand it. I, I no, don't I don't either. But one of the things the coaches always remember you did there, said, okay, everybody shoot 25 free throws right before you go to the locker room. What the hell? Shoot 25. What the hell do they care about whether they make them or not? No, what I tell them said, you can't make 50 before you go. Make. You have to make 50. The concentration level is going to be a hell of a lot more when they know they can't leave until they make 50 free throws. I, I do. When I coach, I do. Everything is make. We're not shooting 20 free throws or shooting 50 jumpers. We're making them, whatever that is. And right. I remember, because I was the rookie, I had to stay after practice with Newland because uh, Sharky never left practice until he made 100 in a row. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's just you take pride in it. I mean, like I say, it's it's the only constant, same distance, same size ball, same size basket every single time. I mean, it, you should be embarrassed. I mean, if you if you can't shoot... 80 percent is good okay if you're not an 80 percent free throw shooter i'm sorry you're not a good free throw shooter yeah uh, that's me you're not a good free throw shooter and yet people will be happy if somebody's shooting in the 70 percentile but that's not good free throw shooting it really isn't hey hey ray you you were uh, uh you uh, uh led the league in scoring but you were you did not shoot the three-pointer much even when you were in the aba well, I, I was just getting used to it. I mean, usually if you shot from that far back when I played, the coach would put you on the bench. If you those are bad. Those are bad shots. Steph Curry takes more bad shots. Than, I mean, but you don't say anything. The guy shot 48 percent from twenty eight feet one season. I mean, the guy is insane. It's a whole different world. Uh, I got up to thirty three percent as a as a three point shooter, which is it's it's good because that's equivalent to fifty percent from twos. Okay, so my thing when I coach, if you couldn't shoot thirty percent or more, you had no business ever taking a three point shot unless the clock was running out. Okay, but I would not be if I was playing today. There's two things that I would have to do because people say, you know, Rick, you guys couldn't play today. I said, listen, you must be on drugs because you have no idea what you're talking about. I said, if I played today. I would be so much better because when I played, we had nothing to help us. I'm talking zero. We had no strength coach, no agility coach, no dietitian. We freaking traveled the terrible. We didn't have chartered flights. We had horrible rest. You get done, fall asleep at two in the morning, get up at six to catch a six thirty commercial flight. You know, take your shower, wash your uniform in the shower, hope it dried out for a game the next night. And these guys have no idea what it's like. So if I had all of those things available to me, the sophistication of the training in all sports, that's why you see so many amazing things happening. I'd be faster, stronger, quicker, more endurance, jump higher. It'd be crazy how much better I would be if I was playing today. But the two areas, I would have to get better. And when I played, they talked about, wow, Rick Barry could really handle the ball. I mean, really handle the ball. I was a tall guy who was quick and fast. They didn't see a lot of that in my time, okay? And I could dribble righty, lefty, and crossover. That was the extent of my ball handling skills. If I was playing today, I'd have to be a better ball handler, which you can do easily because you go and do the one and two ball drills all the time and you'd get better easily. And the other thing I, I would have, you know, if I was, you know, playing today that uh, I would have to do is certainly I would have to be a better, I would have to handle the ball better, but I, I just would have to be a little bit stronger to play against these guys down. So that's where I had trouble posting up. I mean, the guy posted me up. It was hard. I tried to use my quickness and get in front of them, but I didn't have the strength and all the guard. You know, a guy, you know, these guys today, 280 pounds, you know, they're like Greek gods, built like Greek gods. And I, I'd have a hard time doing that. But I'd also would not be happy if I wasn't a 40% free throw shooter. My my goal with with with, free, with not free throw, but three-point shooting, I wouldn't be happy unless I was 40%. I would want to be a 40% three-point shooter because I think that's an elite, that's the elite. If you're shooting 40% from threes, that's fabulous shooting. 
<laughs> yeah, and if you're shooting, if you're shooting forty percent from the three like you want to be, they'll let you shoot 15, 20 threes in a game now. I mean, back back when even when I played, you know, good three three point shooters, Bird or Craig Hodges, I played with, they shoot four or five a game. Now you can shoot fifteen or twenty. No oh yeah, problem. it's just it's different. crazy. It's yeah. crazy, you know. And the same way with scoring, hell, you score more points with that shot. I mean, and the greatest thing to me is, especially if you play up tempo, fast break. To me, the best time to shoot a three point shot, three on three or three on two break. If you can't get a layup, pull up and take the three. You have a better chance of getting the offensive rebound than the defense does because their backs to the basket. They're retreating, and you're going forward. And if you take the ball and shoot, you got two teammates coming in. I mean, if I'm the coach, I'm telling my guys, pull up and shoot the three if you don't have a pass for a layup. You, you know, Rick, as I was watching some of your, your, your highlight tapes, which is just incredible, I, I see you hit so many shots where guys have a hand in your face. But uh, like right here, it's so what? Yeah, no, you don't pay any attention to that. I mean, the guy blocks your shot, he blocks your shot. But the bottom is, is that you just know when you go up and do it, the defense, it's they have to react to you, okay? And so if you do it at the right time, unless you've got a guy that's incredibly quick and really great long arms and jumps like crazy, you're not going to get very many shots blocked. And, 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 and you just don't pay any attention to it because it has no bearing on your form. You know, unless he's blocking the shot, you're still going to shoot the ball with your with your form. And if you have good shooting form, you can still be able to make it because a hand up in the air doesn't doesn't have anything to do with the flight of the ball. Yeah, and I used to tell my player. I mean, you talk about putting a hand in the that, that's not contesting the shot. You have to get up on the ball to contest a shot, and not many players can do that without fouling you. Yeah, I'm not looking straight ahead. I'm looking up. You know, so if you're going to get up, you got to, yeah, yeah, I I never really worried about that. And it's, uh, it's one of the lost art forms, especially the, you know, the the quick pull up jumper. It's impossible to defend it really, because as if I'm going and I stop and I get to go up, the other guy has to stop. So he's already a little bit behind me. And that's just enough to be able to get your shot off. In fact, I tell people when I played, I said, you know what? They say, you know, you have to beat your man. No, I didn't need to beat my man. I didn't have to get by you to beat you. All I had to do was get you even with me on my shoulder. If I got you on my left shoulder or my right shoulder, I'm going left, right. I'm going left. I want you on my right shoulder, left. Half a step. I only needed a half a step, and I own you. Hey, hey, hey Rick, when, when the Warriors made their run and, and when they won their first championship, a lot of my buddies, oh, the Warriors finally got a championship. I'm like, what are you talking about? They won one in 1975. And, and you guys – Swept the Washington Bullets, which had a great team, had uh, uh, the great Wes Sunsell and Elvin Hayes. I mean, and Phil, you guys, they, had Phil, they had Phil Chenier, they had Kevin Porter, they had they had Truck Robinson. They had a lot of really good players, and they beat the Boston Celtics. And, and that's why I said everybody said it's, it's going to be the biggest mismatch in the history of NBA Finals. And it's going to be a sweep. Well, they got the sweep part right. They just got the wrong team. So. Did, did you and, have that feeling going into that series, Rich? I, I thought that we would have a chance to beat them, yes, because they said, well, the first the thing I laughed at is Mike Reardon can guard Rick Barry. And I said, what are they out of their freaking mind? I mean, Mike Reardon is small. He's, short, he's shorter than me, and I'm faster and quicker than he is. So how in the world is he going to guard me? And it, what happened, they say, well, look at this, you know, what he did in scoring. Well, probably one game I probably should never have played. I wasn't, I was hurt and I played. Another game I happened to have a bad shooting game. But I get such a kick out of these announcers, especially the former players when they're saying, hey, he's a lockdown defender. Paul, Rick, I, I never in my life 
man in the lockdown defender. Nobody ever locked me down. You can't lock down a scorer. You can lock down a shooter, but you can never lock down a scorer. I have too many ways to beat you. Now, a good defender, if he can make me take two, three, four, five more shots than I normally take to get the points I get, he's done a good job. That's a good job. And then he might get lucky, and I happen to have a bad shooting game, and he's making me work hard, and so they give him all the credit in the world. No, give him credit for making me work hard, but he didn't shut me down. I just had a bad shooting game. <laughs> yeah, the offense always has the advantage, especially if you're a good offensive player. I mean, yeah. Guys, let me tell you, I tell people, listen, it is so easy to score 20 points a game. 20 points a game is nothing. That's why I got such a kick out of seeing Brown, who's averaging the playoffs is 18.5 points a game, and he's getting $306 million for five years. Okay, and he's a nice player, and I like him. He's got to learn not to turn the ball over, and he and both Tatum have to learn not to force things. They have what I call the Westbrook syndrome. And I have great respect for, 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 for Westbrook and what he's done and how hard he plays every time he puts his uniform on. But his problem and his Achilles heel and the problem for Tatum and the problem for Brown is they try to force things. In basketball, you have to learn to take what the defense gives you. Don't try to make things happen that aren't there. And they get themselves in trouble. They get turnovers. The other team gets more shots. And it really causes your team to lose a lot of games when you do that. It happened to the Celtics a couple of seasons ago against the Warriors when they had all those crazy turnovers between those two guys. Especially when they turn the ball over where they are on the court. That turns into a layup on the other end. Or yeah, it's no, it's, it's double, just, that's yeah, yeah that's and it's such, it's such a, a disadvantage for your team. I mean, it, you just can't do that. And both of those guys have to learn to do that. Hopefully they will. If you're getting paid $50 million a year, by God, you better learn how to do that. <laughs> that's, that's unbelievable. <laughs> hey, hey, Rick, we got a, uh, one of our viewers has a uh, question for you. If you get a chance, can you ask Will if he thinks Will, can you ask Rick? If he thinks that Wilt is still the greatest, also, what was it like to play with John Briska in the ABA All-Star Game? Uh, well, first of all, Wilt Chamberlain, and, and I hate this GOAT thing because there is no such thing in a team sport as a GOAT. There are a, You could have a GOAT at each position, but you can't have an overall GOAT because the skills required for every position are different. So when they do this, it just really ticks me off when I hear these talking heads having to go on. GOAT, oh, he's the greatest. He's the best. Well, you don't compare Michael Jordan to LeBron James because one's a two and one's a three naturally, okay? You compare... You can compare LeBron to, you know, to Larry Bird or whatever you want to do. And you can compare Magic Johnson to the other point guards. You don't compare Will Chamberlain to Michael Jordan or to LeBron James. It's ridiculous. So if you look at somebody to evaluate their talent and their skill, what you do is you look at what are their talents in all of the skill areas of their position. And nobody comes close to Will Chamberlain. I mean, and, and stop choosing guys from this era back in their time. It's a different game. Keep it within the same era. The guys in their era, who was the best during that era? Who was the best in this era? Shaq was the best center during his era. You know, Wilt was the best center overall. Now, Russell had more impact on winning, but he also had great teams. And when Wilt had great teammates, he won championships, but he didn't have the luxury of having those great skilled players with him. But Bill Russell had more impact on a team winning a championship than any player probably in the history of the game. But you can't say that he was a better basketball player than Will Chamberlain skill-wise. No, I mean, there's no comparison in that. Absolutely none. 
Yeah. Now, now, hey, with that said, Paul, people always ask me about who's the, you know, the five. I said, hey, I'll tell you four guys I'll play with, and then you can take any five you want, and I'd love to have a game. Maybe up in heaven, God can make that happen. Now, so I'm taking Will Chamberlain as my center. Bill Russell, I'm going to take power forward. I don't care if he score. He doesn't need to score one point. Just block shots and rebound and kick it out for the fast break. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> okay? I'm playing the three. Got to go with Michael Jordan as the two. And the hardest thing is, is that who do I take as my point guard? Because there's so many great ones that I, and I love to play with great point guards. And I got to play with a bunch of them in my career, fortunately. But I can tell you, if you're going to have it with the three-point shot, there is no way I'm not taking Steph Curry. Yeah. Now, no three-point shot, I'm taking Magic Johnson. Yeah. yeah. I mean, different errors. Different errors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had the same battle for, for years, and I'm like, you know, if the GOAT, there is no GOAT, but if there was a GOAT, it's the best individual player. And that's by far Will Chamberlain. Just look at the, the record books. Because yeah, but, yeah, but you still can't say he's better than Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan did things that Wilt didn't do, different skill yeah. levels. So that's why Michael would be my two. Wilt is going to be my five because, I mean, come on. Will Chamberlain average folks, if you don't have any idea, trust me on this. They say records are made to be broken. Two records he has will never, ever be broken. It's probably more than that because rebounding records will never be broken either. But 100 points in one game never will happen. Never. And nobody's ever going to score 50 points average for an entire NBA season. Now, that's the freaking insane. That's so insane. It's, just, it's beyond comprehension. The man averaged 22.5 rebounds a game for his freaking career. Yeah. Think about those numbers. It's crazy. Hey, hey, I got the greatest. Paul, and now all of a sudden, Kendrick Perkins, who was just, you know, an average player. He wasn't anything special, right? Okay. Good, you know, nice guy, good personality. He comes out with a freaking team of the top, comes out with the top five centers. He doesn't have Will Chamberlain. Are you freaking, are you out of your mind? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm right there. And I, and I tell like people always throw, you know, 11 championships for Russell, two for Will, one for I said, listen, listen, if you're on a, a team, you're a team, you could be a really good player and win a lot of championships. And you could be a great, great player on a bad team and never win. <laughs> Paul, you're making my case. This is exactly what I tell people. Why do these guys who all of a sudden start rating players and how good they are, give them extra points for championships? Mm -hmm. It's not one guy that wins the championship. He's lucky enough to be on a good team. There's so many other players who have been or great, great players who didn't win it because they didn't have teammates good enough to give them a championship. So this guy gets more credit for championships. I mean, what the hell is that? Hey, Rick, Rick, I have a question for you because you played against Will in real games. I when I after I got back home from Kansas, uh, I lived in California with my parents, and I would go to Pepperdine and play pickup games. And Will would still play. He'd been retired for eight years or whatever. And he was still physical specimen. But all he did was kind of keep in shape and rebound and block shots uh, and not score unless he got him pissed off. Uh, so I got to run up and down the floor with him a few times. But can you just tell me, just for me, uh, having him as an opponent in a game, what the feeling was? Well, I mean, you know, he, he was one of the most dominant centers. I mean, I, I, I knew I'm, I'm still going at him. I mean, hell, he may block some of my shots. But he's not going to block all of them. 
And, you know, and I developed, I had a little hook shot and stuff to try to get away from him. I certainly wasn't going over and dunking over him. I can tell you that, but probably one of the strongest guys to ever play the game. I mean, he was told that he could hold 300 pounds out in front of him at a barbell. I, you know, I mean, the guy was crazy, crazy strong. I mean, there's all kinds of stories about him and his strength. And uh, thank God he was not a mean person because he could have done some serious damage. Uh, but I mean, you just had have, you had great respect for him. In fact, one of the proudest things I have, statistically wise, which I, I've learned more about myself in the last ten years, because everybody's saying statistics. I've learned more things that I've done and have more records than I ever knew about because I never paid any attention to any of that back in those days. Nor did the press, right? I mean, oh, so and so just did this, and he joins the elite company with Rick Barry, so and so, and so. I said, oh hell, I did that. That's interesting. <laughs> I mean, you know, so but that's that's kind of the way that's the way it is right now. It's all about that. But Wilt. Uh, um, yeah, very special. I got to know him, well, uh, Mo, as, uh, afterwards, and we, we hung around and stuff together. Uh, funny guy, you know, great guy, great sense of humor. It's such a shame, I mean, because if he had gone to the doctors, I mean, he just missed his – Barbara, his sister was so mad at him because he didn't go in and get his yearly physical. So had he done that, what he died from, he could have he could have maybe still been alive today if he had just gone into the doctors, kind of like my mother who didn't do that and got a stroke and wound up dying with strokes, but she could, you know, folks go and get your yearly checkups, please. I mean, just do that for yourself. I mean, health is everything. So, but Will's unbelievable. He's, he's amazing, amazing guy. That's hey, I, I was at, I was at, uh, in Lawrence for his retirement. They retired his Jersey and he hadn't been back since you know, he blamed himself for losing in the final four, whatever that was. And I had my kids with me behind the bench, and he walked in. Uh, I don't know how old he was, you know, 60 or whatever. He had his damn leather jacket on, and it fit. I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> no, Wilt always, Wilt always kept himself in really, you know, good physical shape. You know, Nate Thurman, my, another great player, too, so was always kept himself trimming and shaping. And, and uh, you know, I mean, that's just a personal thing to do it. I mean, I, I've done that. I actually weigh less than I weighed in my last year playing. Hey, Rick, uh, Ray Chet says, he says, how was it going against John Havlicek? And you don't hear much about him uh, nowadays, but he was obviously a great player. Well, first, let me finish because I'm still not, I still, um, you know, don't, I'm not senile, I don't have, thank God, Alzheimer's. I'll, I'll answer the second part of the first question because it was two questions in one. Oh, is Brisker. About Wilton, yeah. John Brisker. John Brisker was one of the toughest guys. I never, ever, ever took my eyes off of John Brisker because he was kind of crazy. I mean, he, you know, he got in a fight one time outside of Three Rivers Stadium in Pittsburgh, and it took about five policemen to subdue him. He actually wound up going overseas and became a mercenary and got killed overseas. Uh, he was a really very physical, tough guy and a hell of a player. Okay, so now John Havlicek. John Havlicek, hell of a player. Sixth man, he got that award so many times playing on those great Celtic teams. Perfect team for him to play on. You know, the consummate player could score. Um, you know, just a great player. I mean, and a good guy. I got to know John also later on in life. I, in fact, I, I got to be friendly with a lot of Boston Celtics later. And, you know, Sam Jones, who I absolutely loved, was awesome. And, you know, now I've gotten friends. I've had Kevin McHale come do a couple things we did together. He's a great guy. You know, Robert Parrish was a teammate of mine before. I've seen Bird a bunch. I haven't really hung out with Bird much. But, uh, yeah, no, the Celtic guys were you know, good quality people. And John certainly was uh, was one of those good all-around basketball players. The thing I had about John is that I was taller than John and I was faster and quicker than him. He was a hell of an athlete, but I was a little quicker and faster than he was. Uh, Rick, do, do you still uh, enjoy watching uh, today's game? Uh, and Are there things about it you like and things you don't like? 
Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, things I like and don't like. I mean, I like following them when I watch, like, Mike, the Warriors, I love playing because they played the game the right way. Unselfish, pass, move, cut. Not all one-on-one stuff. I mean, you know, that's the way the game – it's more fun to play the game that way. For me, it's more fun to watch the game being played that way because it's fun basketball. It's really great to see that happen. And teams are starting to copy. Because like, the NBA is a copycat league. They always try to copy what somebody's doing if it's working. You know, they they, they, they tried it with the little small point guards, the Muggsy Bogues, and, you know, and the guys that, who, are, who are out there trying to play in spud webs and whatever. And then finally realize you'll never win a championship that way. And so that stopped. And then, uh, you know, they just, they copy things, you know, like Bill Sharman was the one that started to shoot around stuff in the morning for teams. And we won a championship doing it. So everybody started copying that. I think that's the most ridiculous thing in the world is the morning shoot around for basketball. Okay. (laughs) First of all, I have to play and I'm going to play 40 or more minutes that night and expend a lot of energy. Why in the hell at nine or 10 o'clock in the morning, do I want to expend one ounce of energy? I don't want to use any of my energy until I play in that game. And yet they make it into a full-scale workout. You get sweaty. You do everything else. Hey, have that workout for the guys that don't get to play. Now they got 15 guys on the roster. Yeah, take a bunch of those guys and make it mandatory for them to go and work out to try to keep themselves in shape. But as far as the team goes, all it was is the reason the Bill Sharma did it, because we went in, in, in jeans and, and sneaks. It's just to get you out of bed. That's all it was. Get you out of bed so you didn't you, stay you in bed. All. That, you know who did that, Rick, was when I was with Dallas with uh, Don Nelson and, and that group. He would do it that way. You know, Dirk and Steve and those guys didn't go to shootarounds. Me and Rolando Blackman would take the guys that don't play, and we would go there. And those guys right. would rest. It makes more sense. Yeah, I, it's it's like stupid. I mean, but as I say, it's a copycat league, so they copy everything. And fortunately, more and more teams are starting to pass the ball and play that kind of basketball because that's the way it works best. And then, then with it, the biggest thing is is that you have to make a you have to make a commitment team wise defensively. You don't win by individual defense; you win by team defense. Okay, and if you have a good individual defender or two, that's a bonus. But it's about having. And I asked the great, you know, late Jack Ramsey, who I respected and really liked a lot. I said, I had him on my radio show years ago, and I said, Jack, I'm going to give you 12 guys. I give you 12 great individual defenders or 12 great team defenders. Which ones do you want? He says, I want the team defenders. That's that. That's why you win. You win because you do it as a team. The other team never gets easy baskets because we have great individual defenders. I'm going to beat a great individual defender. And if the team's not there, I get dunks all day long. You get too many easy baskets. And so that's what it really takes to be able to do it is to, is to do it that way. But I, I do like, I do, I, I, you know, the three point shot when used judiciously is great. I think sometimes teams rely on it too much. The Warriors lost the championship because of it. They should have beaten uh, when Draymond got suspended against Cleveland that year. Uh, they would have won without that happening. But in game seven, they're at home. And the last four minutes and 20 seconds of that game, the Warriors never took a, sh- a shot other than the three-point shot. And, and they missed a bunch of open ones. They took some tough ones. Hey, you're at home. I, I, that's, I mean, I don't, I've never criticized, you know, Steve Kerr, I don't try to criticize coaches because I'm not at practice. I don't know what happens in practice. You don't know the team. You don't know all of the little things and the nuances that are going on. So to second-guess them is easy, and that's why the talking head drives me nuts when they do this. I'm not going to do that. But the one thing that I think that Steve made a mistake in that cost them is that I, with the game tied in five minutes to go at home in game seven and the game being that close, I would have called timeout and said, Steph, Clay, I want you guys, we're going to go to the basket. We want to put some points on the board. If you, if something happens and the three happens to be there, but let's attack the basket, let's get some points on the board and make these guys play from behind. They didn't do that. 
there was only two shots made in the last four minutes and 40 seconds of that game. One three-pointer by Kyrie Irving and one of two free throws by LeBron. The Warriors got nothing, and it was all three-point shooting. They really blew it by doing that. They should have been attacking the basket. And I told people, hey, well, that was such a great shot by Kyrie. Yeah, it was. Under, under the circumstances, a terrific shot. But it's an easy shot to take. It's been a lot different. He was taking that shot, and they're down two or down one. When you're tied, that's an easy shot to take because if you miss it, it hasn't impacted the game. Hey, hey Rick, uh, we, we promise you we wouldn't keep you more than 30 minutes, but you have been fantastic as usual. Uh, and But I do have a couple more questions for you. And Rick has a great, great question. Steve Schroeder has a great question. Uh Looked like shooting the ball, ABA or NBA didn't bother you at all. But was there some preference? The ABA ball was a horrible ball. It was. It just didn't have the rounded seams. It had abrupt edges on the thing, and it, you know you really had to get it worked out really well, so it wasn't slippery and stuff. But it was not a very good basketball. It, it really wasn't. It looks better than it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the thing about it is, when I shoot the ball, I didn't. I didn't watch the ball. When you shoot the basketball, you don't watch it. I mean, you know, I'm looking, I'm focusing on the rim and the basket, you know, where my target is. I mean, I'm not watching it, but from a standpoint, it's kind of cool to watch and see. It was great from a promotional standpoint. I mean, it's really cool. They actually, the NBA started making some of them later and they made them like the NBA balls because it was being made by Spalding at the time and the panels were rounded. Okay. The ABA ball was a little more of an abrupt edge to it and and, it, and they didn't bounce as, as as well but you know they were still it wasn't like it was a horrible ball to play with i mean you're still round it's still the same size and you could still shoot it you know pretty well if you if you had good form it didn't bother you much <laughs> hey Rick, you, you you were talking about the talking heads but you were one of the first uh uh talking heads no, I'm talking about the talking heads who don't know what the hell they're talking about. I'm not talking about players. Some of the players, some of the players, yeah, well, some of the players when I watch, it's very hard. Let me just tell you, it's very hard for me to watch games sometimes because I'm seeing a different game than what these guys are talking about. The announcers who are the color men are talking about things that are the obvious. And I'm seeing things out there that aren't being talked about. So it's very hard for me to watch the game. Because they're talking about inane things that don't mean anything. They don't really, they don't really educate the viewers. I mean, you have to be very careful when you do a color analyst job, because I can't be so technical that I lose the casual viewer because he doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about, right? And so I don't want to be that technical. And the majority of the players are the casual viewers. They're not people who really know the game. So you really want to try to make, and then I can't insult the guys who really know the game by being so freaking basic that they say, you know, uh, no crap, Sherlock. I mean, you know, so I, I want to say things that can help. Like, hey, nowadays they love it. They hate it because they said Rick was too negative. No, I was negative to be informative, you know, and I wasn't a shill. And so now these guys, they love, it. oh, this guy, yeah, he's telling the truth and stuff. Well, hell, I told the truth too, but I told the truth in a meaningful way. I didn't say, oh, that's a bad pass. Well, no kidding. Everybody knows it was a bad pass, what you say. In that situation, you should have thrown a bounce pass. Much more difficult to defend. It's not a good choice of passes, and that's why the ball was intercepted. And the same type of situation as to why guys are there. Hey, he got to the basket. Great move. Yeah, but the only reason he got to the basket is the weak side guy turned his head, had no idea he was coming. He should have been in a help situation to prevent the drive. Stuff like that that really helps to educate it. I love when they do the replays, the guy in the studio that I really probably like more than any, any anybody when I'm doing watching games. And some of them I really 
can't stand alone. And that's and I'm going to draw a blank on his name. Of course, he just popped into my head and I saw his picture is uh, the guard. I mean, he's uh, oh, my God. He's the studio analyst that breaks down the game all the time. Senior moment. Uh, um, uh, Kenny Smith. Huh? Kenny Smith. No, no, not Kenny. Not Kenny. No, no. He, he does. He, he, he does ESPN all the time. And I could see his name. I'm just drawing a blank on his name right now. I just uh, I really enjoy him a lot. JJ, <laughs> No, no, JJ's new guy. JJ does a nice job. I, I just love JJ because he he'll challenge Stephen A. Smith at times, which is great. Because Stephen yeah, A. Fast. Stephen yeah, Stephen fast. A. thinks he knows everything about the game. And, you know, give me a break. Uh, so, yeah, no, and I'm, I'll get his name before we go. Oh my God, I feel so badly because I can see him, I can picture him and stuff. And it's just one of those things that the the name's not uh, coming. My synapses are not firing right now. So, anyway, it is it is what it is. Yeah. Hey, hey, Rick does. That's it. That's it. I know it doesn't. I'm going to ask it anyway for our viewers. But people say you are underrated, and and you are. When they talk about the great ones, they don't mention you uh, enough in many people's uh, estimation. Yeah, well, everybody's entitled to their opinion about things. I mean, I know I was, I know I was a good player. I'm, you know, proud of what I accomplished as a player. The thing I'm most proud of is that when I put my uniform on. You got everything I had every single time. I mean, there was not going to be any question about that. I mean, I was going to play as hard as I could play and try to do as well as I could do every time I put that uniform on. First and foremost, I owed it to myself, and then I owed it to my teammates. I owed it to the team, and I owed it to the fans. Yeah, we were just talking about John Havlicek. I just saw you uh, hit a jumper over him. <laughs> yeah. That's a little post up there. You see that that just, there was a pull up jumper there. I mean, that's just the way you need to do it, and, and it's so easy because the defense is at such a disadvantage. When I'm coming strong at him, I can pull up any time and get a shot, and he can't possibly stop that right there. I mean, that's it's impossible, and not a lot of players just don't do that now. Right there, boom! No way, he can't possibly defend that. And got yeah. got a hand in your face, but like most said, yes. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what it takes. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean that's what like. A lot of players now, you know, because of the love of the three, and then you can penetrate and you can't even touch players anymore, so you get their free throw line. But, like, I've, I've been, you know, rightfully or whatever, you know, I'm a, I'm a Bucks guy, and I'm a Bucks fan, and I love the Bucks and, and Milwaukee, and, you know, but it bothers me, and I let people know Giannis, uh, you know, has no pull-up game. He has no in-between game, and that's just – he's MVP of the league, but he's still – if he would have that, he would be unstoppable even more so. Well, the guy that I love watching is the Joker. I, I just love watching him play. I mean, because he knows the game. He sees the court. He makes the passes. He uses his body. He'll do some tipping. He's got the little lefty hook inside. He's got the mid-range. He can shoot the three. Just really has a great feel for the game. I, I just I really enjoy watching him play. I, I love watching great players. I love Steph Curry. It's another one I just love watching because uh, he knows how to play. He's an amazing shooter. I mean, it's there's a lot of just great individual players in the league. I mean, they're so talented and so gifted. Uh, but the guys that get my respect are the guys that show up every night. Every hey, night. Mo, I, I, this is for you. And, and we talked about it a little bit before Rick came on. You played 12 years in the NBA. How big an impact and how fortunate was it for you to end up going to Houston when you were surrounded by all of these Hall of Famers? Well, I mean, you know, I grew up lower middle class in California and I played at Kansas, but I didn't know, I didn't know anything. I didn't know, anything. I didn't know what to do. And then 
I end up in training camp with uh, the Houston Rockets and with Rick and, and Rudy T and Murph and Moses and you know those guys took me under their wing and I you know, I didn't know you know how to get my bags at the airport or how about tip a guy at a hotel or at a restaurant and and even more than basketball they taught me that of how to be a professional and to this day you know Rick and those guys are you know uh, mentors to me they, they they were and I was lucky enough to last twelve years do my job do what was expected of me and uh, you know Rick I tell people now you know a lot of abilities in basketball shooting dribbling passing but one of the most abilities is availability and uh, you know being ready to play in every game is important. Yeah, it, it really is. I was, I'm sorry for moving around, but I, my phone was dying, so I just got a chance to plug it in so I won't just, you won't lose me. Um, yeah, so anyway, I, you know, I'm going to get going. I've got to, you know, my wife is usually, I spend the time with her. She's tired of waiting for me. She just walked by me with a great look. Uh, so, hey, hey, one more time. Go Sleeve 24, Rick. Yeah, no, GoSleeves.com. And the other one to look at is, is L-O-A-L-O-E-M-D.com. And the third thing is Medicileaf, M-E-D-I-C-I-L-E-A-F.com. And every one of them, the code is RB24. Just read about the products there. I use them all the time, cannabinoid stuff and the sleeves for my knees when I play pickleball. So check it all out. Appreciate you guys. Uh, always good to talk to you. And I uh, hope everybody's having a good summer. And God bless everybody. Thanks, okay, I'm sorry, Mo. Rick, I'm going to get that information from you. I'm going to put it on our website for our viewers. Yeah, and I got to, yeah, and, and I, I'm still so mad at myself that I can't even remember. My <laughs> wife could probably help me. Honey, who do I love on TV that does the analysis work, the former player that's done all the stuff in the studio? Is ready? No, no, that's the younger one. It's the older <laughs> guy has been around. No, my <laughs> wife knows basketball because she ran USA Basketball for Women for 12 years and was an All-American basketball player herself. In fact, one of the proudest things I'm of is my, my wife and my son, Canyon, are the it's the only mother and daughter, a mother and son, I'm sorry, mother and son combination in Division One college basketball history to have a mother be first team academic All-America and a son be first team academic wow. which is uh, really pretty, pretty cool. So we'll just have to get you back again, right? Yes, I know, but I, I tell you what, I'm going to be going nuts the rest of the night trying to make sure I come up with the name. Hey, text us. Text come, on, just, come on, Paul, you got to know, you guys got to know who this is. You watch the ESPN all the time. He's always in the studio. He's doing the analyst work. He was a really great shooting guard in the NBA. He's really good. And one of the guys there, one, one of it's, I, I just, it's driving absolutely nuts. Tim Legler, I told you my wife would get uh. it. <laughs> That's why I made her. <laughs> Hey, That's thank you so much, Rick. I'll see you guys. Take care. All right, man. Thanks, man. <laughs> wow. I mean, <laughs> Mo, I mean, I, I, you know, Mo, you got to be around guys like Rick and, and Moses. I love the story. You've told me so many great stories. Uh, 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 Calvin Murphy coming up to you said, hey, kids. <laughs> You want to make the team? Oh, he called me Tonka because I play like a truck. So they Tonka, you want to make this team? Say yes, sir. So just set picks for me. Just set picks for me so I can get open. That's what I did, and I made the team. That's just uh, incredible. Uh, Rick, Rick, Rick has to come out of his shell a little bit. More. Uh, I know. He's gonna tell it like it is, and I used to. 
played a lot of uh, charity golf tournaments, and, and and I would run into him quite often. He's a really good golfer too, by the way. And uh, you know, he did a little trash talking on the golf course too. <laughs> and you know, he was a, a outstanding baseball player. Uh, uh, he's a great. You know, he's a great athlete. He was a great athlete. And like, I think it like when I saw him, you know, when I was a rookie in Houston, it was towards the end of his career, and he could still score. I think he averaged thirteen or fourteen a game. Yeah. But he averaged like six assists a game in 20 minutes. And he could really pass the ball in his basketball IQ. I, I love because obviously I was on the second team and he was on the second team of practice. And shoot, I love playing with him. Because <laughs> if you get open, he, he's going to oh, give it to you. Yeah, and, if, and if, you get, if you're getting through the lane and you're not looking, he's going to hit you right in the back of the head with it too. <laughs> and then yell at you. <laughs> and, and Rick is another guy, uh, and you have put it up sometimes. He's uh, talking about the so-called unathletic eighties. Oh, ridiculous. I mean, yeah, but I'm so glad that someone else is on my Will Chamberlain train. Of you know, he played against the guy. I mean, yeah. he played against Russell, and he played against all those guys. And I really like like his five. You know, the people he would like to play with. Play, you know, on a team, and I like to put Russell at the four. Uh, you know, some people would put Carl Malone or Duncan. You know, but that's fine. But I like his his assessment of now. If there's no three point line, I'm having Magic Johnson because he's one of my guys yeah. that I would have on there. But if there's a three point line, you got to put Curry there. No question. Yeah. Hey, hey, Mo. We just got a couple more minutes, but uh, you've been watching some of the uh, USA basketball. Uh, they actually have a game tonight against, I think they're playing Puerto Rico tonight. And, yeah. it, and it's early on, but just uh, a, a couple of thoughts about what you've seen so far before we get out of here. Well, I went to practice, uh, you know, talked to Steve Kerr, and then, uh, my son Michael and I are hanging around practice a lot. And they scrimmaged the, uh, uh, the select team, the select team, uh, which uh, your guy, uh, Kate uh, Cunningham, was on, who killed it, by the way, uh, really, really had. I like him now. I'm a fan. I'm watching him next year. Uh, but the one thing about the uh, the uh, uh, U.S. team is it's not like it used to be. You know, it's their second team. It's the team of the younger players that are coming up. They're going to have to take over for the LeBrons and those guys. And uh, you know, Jalen Brunson, uh, Anthony Edwards, Malik Bridges, uh, Brandon Ingram, Jaron Jackson Jr., Bobby Portis is one of the veterans on there. Uh, Tyrese uh, Halliburton. Austin Reeves, the kid from LA, um, Josh Hart, Apollo Pacero, the rookie of the year, Cam Johnson. But when you look at them, they're all, you know, 20, 22, 25, 28 is the most. When they play in these in the World Cup, which they're getting ready to play in, they're gonna be playing as men and top level competition that they, they're not, I don't think they're ready for it yet. Uh, hopefully they'll grow into it. Uh, they have a great coaching staff, Steve Kerr, Ty Lu. Uh, Spolstra, and then Mark Few is is the college edition of that. So, uh, you know, but uh, going into this competition, they, they they have a couple friendly games like against Puerto Rico, and they'll be fine. And actually, when you talk about um, uh, what their uh, um, their pool is, their pool play is, it's not bad because they they got New Zealand in their pool, Greece, and I don't think Giannis is going to play and Jordan, those countries, and they should be okay there. But then when they get to the next level, the medal rounds, and you got to play against Spain or France 
or some of these other teams, they're going to run into a buzzsaw. And with the rules, the FIBA rules, sometimes it could get more physical. The refs don't give you breaks. Uh, it's eight minutes less of playing time a game. They go by 10-minute quarters, not 12. It's going to be adjustment, and they're going to have to adjust really quickly. And the one team uh, that when they get to the Worlds and in the medal rounds that I would look for is Team Canada. Now, when you look at the roster of Team Canada, you've got Jamal Murray, Dylan Brooks, uh, Gilius Alexander, R.J. Bennett, Zach Eddy, the 7-4 kid from uh, Iowa, uh, Corey Joseph, Olenek, Dwight Powell. Those are all NBA players. That roster looks as good or better than our roster. So it's going to be an interesting run for them. Uh, they're all they're the younger group. We've already qualified for the Olympics uh, uh, next year, so that's that's why they do this. Um, but uh, they're going to have to learn and learn on the fly. Or you know, we have we've only won in the last twelve years of the World Games. We've only won twice, I think. And uh, you know, this is going to be a test. Uh, but it's going to be interesting I'm, I'm, to see if Brunson can step up as a leader, like Steve Kerr said. And some of these younger players can really step into their roles because they're going to be our Olympic team of the future. Wow. Hey, man, what a, what a great night. Uh, we want to thank Rick for stopping by. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not going to have, you're not have any questions of where he stands on anything. <laughs> and he's, uh, I mean, like you said, uh, Ricky, he, he's so knowledgeable. He's been a player. He, he's leading score in college, leading score in the ABA, leading score in the NBA. He's been a coach. He's been an announcer. Uh, you know, he's just done everything. And uh, you know, his basketball IQ and uh, you know, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. And you know, for any people that think that any of those players, like a Rick Barry, couldn't play in today's game, you are out of your mind. <laughs> Freaking Rick, mind. Rick Barry would average. <laughs> 30-something a game in today's game. And he would get to the free throw line and shoot 94% from the free throw line, even though it's underhanded. And people would probably laugh at him, but who cares? It goes in all the time. Uh, you know, and like he said, he's truthful, right? He would have to get stronger to be a better defender. And he'd have yeah. to be more consistent as the three-point line. So, you know, but all those people, you know, they shortchanged the 70s and the 80s, even the 90s. Come on, man. Yeah. These, guys, these guys were special. Yeah. Well, Mo, we're going to get out of here, man. Great show. We'll be back next Monday. Uh, oh, oh, we're going to take a week off next week. Yeah, uh, I'm having my, uh, Mo, my Mo knee on the DL. I'm getting my knee replaced next Monday. And uh, so I'll be on the IR for a little bit. Um, I'll get a knee replaced that's been hurting me for years and years. So uh, it's going to be, uh, uh, I'll come on. Uh, uh, probably the week after that, I should be fine. So, yeah. uh, well, you know. take take care of yourself, Mo. We love you, and uh, thank everybody for uh, checking in. All our viewers, thank you for all the great questions. Sorry, we couldn't even get to all of them. Things were moving so fast. <laughs> <laughs> but for Paul Mokeski, I'm Ricky Hanson. Peace, everybody. See you next time. Thanks, man. All right, see you, Mo. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.